Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm back. He's back. Welcome. <laughs> to you people, he never went anywhere, but we'll explain some of that later. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Top of the morning. Yeah. Wow. Did, did I do that right? Did yeah. I, did I get very right? good at foreshadowing. Yeah. Joining yeah. us all the way from Oak Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Cheerios? Is that a thing? Yeah. The cereal? Yeah. Right. That is a, a thing. Of, a lot of love of Cheerios. Cheerios are a thing. It's like we're having breakfast with Nana. Sure. General Mills marketing people, your money was not ill spent on Lee. <laughs> so, uh, Glenn, Glenn has been abroad. Yes. In the, the United Kingdom. That's correct. I was, and Ireland. And which Ireland. Which is different. Yes. Both, yes. Yes, it was yeah. lovely, and I had a lovely time. Okay. That's, well, excellent. Okay. Nothing, but nothing out of the ordinary, nothing, no, no problems. No, everybody's no. good. Everybody. That's great. It was lovely. Lovely people. Yeah, lovely people. So nothing that you would you know, say requires immediate attention and discussion. No, no, it's all good. It's good. It's okay, good. Cool, I think we we'll just carry on here. Okay, well, that's excellent. In that case, like. No, wait, quick... there's an emergency. Wait, there's an emergency. <laughs> there is an emergency. Oh, man, I, I can't believe it. Tell me more about it. That developed spontaneously. <laughs> well, here's what happened is I was, uh, I was over in London there. It's a lovely place, a lovely people. And uh, what happened was I met with some Say That super fans, uh, which is very exciting. They they love to podcast in London. Uh, I don't know if I got a solid sense of why. Well, I don't think anyone has a good reason for liking this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I, I talked to uh, Miss Wendy, who was awesome. Woo! And uh, I talked to uh, both Christopher and Elizabeth, who were awesome. Woo! And uh, here's what happened, though. Here's the emergency, because there is an emergency to this. Tell me. What happened is we're getting even more reports, and now it's spread overseas, that people are listening to the podcast in their earphones. Okay. On the train. Okay. The tube, if you on will. The, on the tube. That's what they call it. That's what the cool people call it, is the tube. Right. Because it goes underground. It's a tube. Okay. I don't, don't think that's what makes it a tube. I think the shape. You don't. You don't call it the subway because that's something different. That's a sandwich. Over there. Well, it is a sandwich, <laughs> but it's also a pedestrian underpass. A... Wow. <laughs> wow! Well done. That's really good. I know things. I got. I got the full thing. I got. I got hip to the whole jive that's happening over there. Okay. That is very impressive. Did you visit <laughs> London in the mid seventies? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hip, hip to the jive. That's either like a Huey Lewis song. <laughs> Hip to the jive. As dozens of people fly to their Wikipedia to find out who, who Huey Lewis is. <laughs> <Yes>. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, so what's happening is they're riding the tube. Yeah. And they got their earbuds in. Right. And they're listening like everybody does to say that podcast. Sure. Well, what happens is they start giggling and laughing right. at all, all the hilarious humor. Right. All the hijinks. And the hijinks and the wackiness and whatnot. Well, what happens is people look around and think this person is crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. We've seen this before. Sure. So we're going to try and tell the people you can't just listen to this podcast wherever you go. Sure. Absolutely. It's dangerous. It'll cause problems for you. You have to be careful. Absolutely. Okay. So yeah. probably right now, someone is listening to this thing right now as we speak. And then we give it to Matt. He puts it in a machine. Right. It's Sends it beamed. to the future. 
into the future. Nobody correct them. It's easier this way. Yeah. So then they're listening to it in their earbuds. They're probably on the tube right now. Well, maybe more in the tube, but yes. Right. I'm with you. Yeah, there's there in so let's not get in tube semantics here. Right, okay. Let's just keep it moving. So here's what happens is we have to tell these people how to handle it. Right. Okay. Thing number one is because you can't just go cold turkey. Thank you. Yes. You can't, you know. You you want to keep the podcast going, yes. Yeah, but totally. you have to have the proper safety procedures. Wait, is is this like a podcast intervention or something? Well, yeah, because the thing is, over there, you know, the, it, when you're in, in England, you're thinking, I have health and safety regulations that are protecting me for just such an event. Sure, sure. You think that, but you guess what? No. Okay. Okay. You have to, you know, we have to help you out. Okay. Break it, break it down. First of all, when you're listening to the health, to, to the Say That podcast, uh, step one is put on your emergency uh, uh, bracelet. bracelet. Right. I mean, you got to have the proper safety gear. Right. Then you want to put on your high visibility yellow vest. Obviously. Reflective vest. You put that on. You get totally. your emergency bracelet on. And could I also wear maybe just like a bright yellow mid eighties members only jacket? I think in lieu I of think that? that would be good. Okay. I know, don't think that's whatever, ever good. Whatever, whatever <laughs> you know, maybe some flashing lights of some kind just to sure. let people know. Now, here's the thing: when you have your earbuds in on the tube, yes. When we declare emergency, yes, you hold up whatever hand has the emergency bracelet on it in right. like a fist, right? You know, hold that up in the air, okay, with your reflective jacket, and you yell "emergency" at the top of your lungs. <laughs> Glenn, I, I gotta stop you there, buddy. I I know you're trying to help, but I'm not sure that's the best advice. Yeah, you tell everybody on the the subway it's an emergency, and Glenn. then you say "stand by," I'll give you further updates. Glenn, let, let me let me run this down real quick. Yeah. So you're listening to you're listening to the podcast, right. enjoying. There's right. a a moment of hilarity as there tends to be, not on this right. episode so far, but you know, yeah, but, more yeah. more often than not. So, and you're <laughs> suggesting that someone throw up what, if some of you are familiar with your your Olympic history, can only be described as a black power fist, right? A fist Correct. raised in the air, yeah, 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 and scream the word emergency, right. On the London Underground. Right. With with a high visibility jacket on. Let's yeah. just pretend you're somebody else watching this scene. Here's right. the thing, Lee. So far, the high, visib- high visibility jacket is the least prob- problematic part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's more... Uh, Glenn, did you do any of this when you were in London? Well, no. Well, I didn't know that this was a problem. So, you know, I just came back with this. I didn't get a chance to try it out. Okay. While I was there. Well, that's, yeah, that's because I think clear. the main thing is you just let them know that we're dealing with an emergency situation on the moving train. Right. You know, you tell them it's an emergency. Hey, everybody, brace yourself or whatever, you know. Right. So that's so, a way to keep it safe. So in your in your vision, someone is sitting on the train alone, right? Earbuds in, laughing, getting right. to the point where they're going to start laughing hysterically that people start to look. Right, right. And then they scream the word emergency while holding up <laughs> an aggressively postured fist. Yeah, that's it. That well, that's the way to keep it. Everything kosher, so everybody would be calm. Hi there, I'm Jet Brewer, legal counsel for the Say That Podcast. <laughs> I'd just like to take a moment to let you know, don't do any of the things you've just heard about on this podcast ever. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Well, and here's another problem that, that they have. Uh, that, that would answer the age-old question we have of, do you get this podcasting Guantanamo Bay? 
<laughs> well, here's the other problem that they've got. There's a lot of things we have to go over here. The other thing is that we here, when we listen to a podcast, we call that a podcast. Right. Over there, they have something different. What they call it is a podcast. A podcast. I think that's, that's, that's the same word with an English accent. I think it. I don't know if you had to have different software for that or look it up different or something. <laughs> right. Cause it's not like, you know, like in like, cause they get it in New Zealand and, sure. and Australia. Cause we have super fans in Australia. And do, New do they Zealand. call it a podcast there as well? I don't think so, but you know, I think they call it's it a still, Barbie in, I, uh, it's, in Australia. It's still, it's still free though. Right. Cause it sounds like you're saying it costs something. No, as far as I know, it's, I think you, with the, with a podcast, I think you have to, there's something with tea. Either you have to right. drink it or pour it in okay. the machine a or something. Cost and tea. Yeah. But the show is still free of charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, in I think in Australia and New Zealand, it's also free, but you have to use a special machine that turns it upside down. Right, oh, yeah, right, yeah. because the, the podcast swirls the opposite direction. Exactly right. There. If you're listening <laughs> I don't, to this... I don't care for that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> the most accurate and honest thing that has ever yes. been said about yeah, this yeah. podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you really, the wisdom you, swirls in a different direction. Yeah, yes. the, the the yeah the whole podcast is upside down f- for them, so they got to get it in a machine. It turns it right side up. So this, you know, it's a miracle these people have even heard this thing. Sure, with all these things going on, I totally, totally. But but it was very exciting meeting the, the London say that fans. I kept waiting for Glenn to say something more offensive about people, <laughs> especially when he brought. Our friends in Australia and New Zealand onto it. I'm I'm mildly relieved. Look, I we love all the people of the earth. Right. Sure. Totally. Except Canadians. Wait, what? <laughs> right. whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy. 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 Canadians as we have covered on the podcast are all liars. <laughs> because, because of the bacon. Because thing. of the Canadian bacon. And you know who you are. Here's the thing, Glenn. <laughs> I don't think anybody who lives in Canada now had anything to do with naming the Canadian bacon. That's not like a vote they take every that's, year to should we keep it named this way. Well, I think that okay. they inherited that. That's, that's the sins of the father. Okay, that's not that's, their deal. That's true. I I get your theology on that. If you're a Canadian and you're listening to this podcast, which, you know, we have a lot of Canadians yes, that fans. If you're doing that, here's what you need to do is just just from now on, if you call it ham and denounce the whole bacon thing. I, I, I renounce. Then, then we'll take you. Right. But otherwise, forget it. Well, well bro, Can I we just, have like a Godfather kind of scene where yeah. Canadians say that fans are renouncing. Yeah. The heritage of Canadian bacon. Yeah, you. It you, seemed a little more Inquisitiony to me. Like you have yeah, to you renounce look, your you, you associations with, publicly. With, yeah, you're either with us or you're with them. That's well, how that is. Well, bro, <laughs> just just to play Canadian bacon advocate for a second. Right. Um, Which is the worst app? <laughs> I f- I feel like maybe some of our Canadian fans and even fans from other places. I mean, right. they might hit back and say, "Yeah, but what about American cheese?" I mean, that's not really cheese. I mean, it's like a weird milk product. I don't even know what you're talking about right now. American cheese? Yeah, you don't know what that is? It's it's cheese. Not really, really, man. Like a Kraft American single. That's like. The purest cheese there is. No. Like, you look at a Kraft American single American cheese, that is cheese that is so cheesy. Yeah. That it's this bright orange that's not found in nature. 
That's how amazingly cheesy it is. That's some serious I, I, fromage. I see. But but so you can't. It's like Velveeta, which is like the ultimate, uh, the most cheese you can get in the world. Right. But but so you're you're not seeing how they might see this as a hypocritical assertion on your part. Let me, let me tell you what. Yeah. I'll clarify my point. Okay. Because I I know y'all are trying to get me to 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 kind of you know, be specific and don't paint with a broad brush. We're just trying to have a dialogue. Try it. How can we come together on this? Sure. Canadian stop I'm trying lying. to get everyone to stop, but I never get what I want. Yeah. You, if you're a Canadian, you need to just stop lying about bacon. Well, look, how would you feel? How would you feel if yeah. we, if we met in the middle? Yeah. Canadians started calling it ham. Right. And we started saying, yes, I would like my hamburger topped with a slice of American cheese like dairy product. I could, I could go with that. Could you could yeah. you live with that? I could say the crepes really thin pancakes. I'll meet in the middle. <laughs> sure. I'll be, oh. Well done, Ricky Bobby. I, I, I did well that done. just for you, Jed. Yeah, that, that, was that very, made that me very, very well happy. Done. So um, we've got somehow what started out as Glenn talking about his lovely trip to the UK ended in the great Canadian American piece of court. breakfast meats. <laughs> Debate, which I think we've, I think we've delivered peace in our time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, except for a secondary emergency. Oh my goodness! Uh-oh. Tell me more. This is a good emergency. Okay. Positive emergency. Well, very, I do like positive emergency. Very quick and but amazing emergency. And we may need a theme song for this. Okay. The beard is back. The beard is back. That's, that's the beard true. Beard is back. <laughs> Just like that. Not like that. Wow. The beard is back. (laughs) Now that's a theme song. (laughs) It's got a beat and I can dance to it. And it's about beards. We don't know how long. Because a lot of people out there were like, when is the beard coming back, dude? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't. The ladies. Those people who listen to our audio product, it was really throwing them off. Uh, yeah, you could tell it was like the everything wasn't wasn't being filtered through the beard, you know. Well, you know, man, I just like I just like to speak for the other guys in the podcast for a second and say, yeah, it's not that we loved you less when mm. you didn't have a beard, yeah, but we do love you more now that you have yeah. one again. Sure, yeah, a lot more. So, yeah, a lot, lot. Not that I want to kill more. Lois; it's just I want her to not be alive anymore. Exactly that kind of thing. Sure, exactly. It's like it's like this this podcast host of ours was dead. Yeah. And yet he's alive again. That's right. Mm. He was beardless, and yet now he is bearded. Yes. It's that's, just like that. It's just like that. <laughs> yeah. No, what wow. Happened? A lot of the ladies out <laughs> this there. Is the, this is the earliest in the, in the episode you've ever towed the line of blasphemy. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, this is the thing is a lot of ladies out there were hurting. You know? They were. They were feeling. <laughs> simply, yeah, simply not true. They were like, what? You know, like, how could this even happen, you know? But he's back. But now the beard is the back. The outcry of literally zero people has been heard. Now, we don't know <laughs> how long it's back for, but you know what? I think we need to just celebrate it while it's here. Sure. For a limited time only, Matt's beard. So, with that, I... It's de- the little victories. Absolutely yes, right. exactly right. And with that, I declare emergency off. <sighs> I feel like I can breathe again. Yeah. Sure. We're we're fine. We're ready to move on. Yep, that's. You have a tertiary emergency in your back pocket. No, out? no. I just as long as you're, you know, hearing this in the UK, you got to know how to follow a proper emergency safety procedures. That's the Absolutely key. Right. Obey protocol. Yeah. I got a little 1984 right there. <laughs> this is this is a very disturbing episode so far. 
Well, I, I'm going to try to smooth over the international incident Glenn tried so hard to create because we love our Canadian listeners. Sure. All of them, but especially the Bridgebox subscribers. That doesn't make them less liars, Stop but it. yeah, we, we love them. I'm trying to do capitalism, okay? Stop it. <laughs> okay. The invisible hand of the market will guide you. Go! <laughs> we particularly enjoy our capitalism. friendly Canadian Bridgebox subscribers, of which we have many. We also have some in the UK. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Woo! Why not take... Take the time to jump on that train right now. <clears throat> Starting in the month of September, it's we got a couple days in that left. Uh, since this episode comes out, you're still eligible for a My Heart is Whole moleskin journal hand-printed by Mr. Lee Younger himself. Woo! We'll send that off to you. If you're already a Bridgebox subscriber and still want the journal, you can do what a number of people so far have done and buy a one-month guest subscription for someone. Okay, here's what you get with the Bridgebox. It's all based around a topic. You get songs. You get sermons. You get special guest music that Lee produces. You get Bible studies. You get devotionals. You get a video where often I'm embarrassed and physically injured, which we all enjoy, I think. Yeah. Some bonus stuff on top of that. We got, we're got we starting to get some more music for our, from our friends Pete and Tasha, which is super cool. And all the money you give to Bridgebox, that $8 a month, goes directly to support ministry we're doing right here in Chicago with the least of these. Folks coming out of jail, folks coming off the street, folks coming out of gangs. It's all good stuff. You get ministered to and you give money to ministry. Can't beat that. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All the cool kids are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you chicken? What are you, what are are you, you chicken? chicken? You scared? <laughs> you chicken to sign up for Bridgebox? What did you two put on those Letterman jackets? <laughs> <laughs> Getting flashbacks to... Let's not talk about it. All right. We're going to move on to our first question here because if I don't read questions, things like that keep happening. Yeah. This came into our email. If you stay with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways so you can write in a question. This person writes in, I have a question. Good start. What if God can't use me? I want to minister to youth and kids that feel like they don't have anyone because I know how that feels. But what if God can't use me? What if I'm that messed up? Or what if God just doesn't want me to minister? Jed, can you start us off? Sure. Well, my friend, thank you very much for taking the time to write in and for asking your question. You said, uh, what if God can't use me? And, and here's the thing is, let's, let's tell the truth. That'd be great if God couldn't use you. It'd be awesome. And it would be awesome because there'd be no stress at all. You wouldn't have to worry about being in situations where you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do. You wouldn't have to worry about making changes in your life to become the right kind of person to do that work. You just totally relax. Now, yeah, you'd have a a life that was pretty severely lacking in meaning, and there'd be a lot of people out there that would be hurting um, when you have the ability to do something about it, but you'd have a totally stress-free life. You could just relax. If God can't use you, then probably it's just uh, breaking bad and corn chips for you for the rest of your life, and that would be great. And if we're honest, that's what a lot of people want. Um, There's plenty of people who talk about how great it would be to climb Everest and have no interest in learning how to actually do beginning mountain climbing. There's a lot of people talking about how great it would be to be a writer and never put pen to paper. And so I think part of what you're hinting at with your question is, can this be a pipe dream for me? Can we have this be just this thing that I I daydream about in the midst of the crappy job that I don't like doing as a way of keeping myself distracted? And the answer is sure, you can. But the challenging news is that you don't have to. Of course God can use you. The thing about being God is that you can do anything. You are all-powerful. God throughout the Bible, when you read that book, the thing you see again and again is God choosing the least qualified 
That's right. Most unlikely people, and sometimes animals, in part to prove the point, I'm God, I can do anything. There's a moment, there's a story, um, there's a guy named Balaam, and he had a donkey, and he's riding around on the donkey, and at one point, God decides, I'm just going to speak through the donkey, so the donkey opens its mouth, I'm not making this up, and starts talking. God can use anyone. God can use anything. The thing that God's looking for, you, you said in your question, what if God can't use me? What if I'm that messed up? That's, that's not the issue. The, the issue is not your past. The issue is not your problems. The issue is willingness. That's yeah. actually the only thing that ever stands in the way of someone being used by God is, are you willing? There's a moment in the Bible where God has a message that he needs sent to people, and he asks, whom can I send? Who will go for me? And God's asking that same question of you. The only qualification he's looking for is willingness. That's the only thing that matters. Any problems that you have, God can fix. Any past that you have, God can redeem. Any um, hang-ups you have, God can work around. And again, when you read the Bible, when you look at characters like Moses and Peter, you see that come up again and again. Guys with huge problems, huge uh, malfunctions that God was able to work around and work in spite of. And he can do that again with you. The issue is, are you willing? Are you willing? And not in the big picture sense. Not in the, yes, I will go and save souls. Are you willing to take the one next step that's before you? Amen. And if you don't know what that first next step is, are you willing to go find out what it is? And if you're not sure how to find out what it is, are you willing to schedule a sit-down with your pastor and ask him how to find out what it is? There's always one next step. For each of us on this podcast, I feel confident in saying God has done things through us that we would never have imagined 20 years ago. Right. Um, if you had come to us 10 years ago and said, God's about to do this thing through you, you said, no, he's not. That, that could never happen. God's done, uh, God has allowed us to participate in some amazing things, but that happened by us following him one day at a time. If you're willing to wake up tomorrow and say to God, the thing you have before me today, I'm saying yes to, then God will use you and God will do more amazing things through your life than you can imagine. You mentioned <laughs> youth and kids that they uh, feel like they don't have anyone else. I have no doubt God wants to use you in amazing ways for hurting kids. The way you get there is by taking it one step and one day at a time. Absolutely. Glenn? Yeah, I really like that stuff that uh, Judd's sharing with you. I think it's right on on target. Uh, Let me give you an image uh, or sort of the image that I have when we're talking about ministry. Uh, Picture a burning building, and there's someone— on the second story of this burning building and they're, they're, uh, you know, yelling out the window for help or whatnot. Um, are you qualified to go into that burning building? Uh, doesn't really matter. You're, you're there. You're there. You, you may not be trained to do it in the best way possible. So if you're doing that in an everyday kind of situation over a long period of time, yeah, you'd probably you know, training and whatever equipping would be good. You know, having a fireproof jacket on would help, you know, that kind of stuff. But if you're in a position where, um, we need somebody to just help and, uh, and we need somebody, as Jed said, who's willing, uh, then that's all that really matters. So let's, let's, you know, uh, so what that means is, um, you know, no, you may not be able to do a great job at counseling people who are struggling with certain things. Uh, you may not have a lot of training towards, you know, how to handle one-on-one type ministry. But uh, you can maybe be the worship leader, play a little guitar and help out with that. You can be the guy who sets out the chairs. 
and maybe you get in some conversations with some of the youth and you listen to them or whatever. That's really how I learned how to do youth ministry is by listening to, to the young people uh, while doing worship leading type stuff and whatnot. Um, what you're doing here, though, is uh, is what we call in 12-step in circles, finding the fear. Yeah. You did a great job of finding what should I be afraid of here, uh, which is awesome, except for we don't really need to do that. There's something to be afraid of wherever you go. <laughs> And in in a lot of us go through life. That's the whole thing we do is where is the fear? Okay, I found it. Okay, good. Now I've, I'm oriented. I know what to do. I, right. Uh, and now I have to answer the fear that I went on the you know wild hunt to find. Uh, you don't have to focus on what should I be afraid of here. Uh, you shouldn't be focused on what is it that I where what are my lack of qualifications or whatever whatever. Um. The mentality, I don't like this mentality uh, of I need to arrive at a certain place. And once uh-huh. I've arrived there, then I'll be the perfect guy for this. Newsflash, you don't ever get to that place. You don't right. ever get to that place. I don't like, and this is a product, and let's face it, of the whole seminary system type of deal of I go and I study the Bible for X number of years and now I'm qualified. I don't even need to study that Bible anymore. I know everything about it, you know, and I've, I've got the certificate on the wall. I've arrived, dude. Yeah. I, I, man, I don't like that attitude at all. Look, here's what, what Paul's talking about on this stuff. He says, you know, I, I need to focus on me in the sense of when I recruit someone else to, to run this race, I need to keep a fast enough pace to where this person doesn't catch me and, and lap me. In other words, if I'm a few steps ahead of this person, then I have a few things to teach them. But I have to keep staying a few yeah. steps ahead of them in order to keep making that be true. That means everybody you're listening to on this podcast right now is kicking themselves in the behind and moving themselves forward and making changes all the time. We never feel like we've arrived. I now have a ton of work to do. I feel like I have more to, to, to grow on than I have come so far. I feel like I've just got the tip of the iceberg of everything I need to know, everything I need to change, all the different ways that I can grow. So it's not about, um, you know, have I reached a level of qualification? It's about having a mentality that says from now on, I need to maintain a certain type of growth that, that will allow me to keep ahead of all the people that I want to minister to. Absolutely, Lee. Um, I, well, I, first of all, I love all the stuff that these guys are saying about this, and they've said most of the stuff that you need to know. I think that one thing that's interesting to look at is when you just look at what Jesus did when he called his his first guys, um, one of the things that I think that a lot of us want to know is, <clears throat> they like like Glenn said, we want to know, okay, what have I done so far that disqualifies me? Uh, what about me uh, is, is lacking so that I can't be used. Um, what exactly, you know, what exactly do I have to figure out, you know, so that I can be exactly the person I need to do beautiful youth ministry or fill in the blank, whatever kind of ministry we want to know so many whys and hows we want to have so much stuff figured out. But when you look at the new Testament and you, you read through the gospels, what you find is Jesus just goes up to regular, normal guys with zero experience and says to them, follow me. Um, That's what he says to him. Follow me. I I want you to follow me today. I want you to put this down, come after me, and I'm going to show you what's next. 
Um, I think that if you take the advice of Jed and Glenn here, if you look at the fact that, like Jed said, the number one thing is willingness, and you've already got that in your question. You say, I want to minister to youth and kids that don't feel like they have anyone because I know how that feels. Well, that's amazing. I mean, you already have the number one key ingredient for somebody that needs to go into ministry. You know Jesus, and you have a willingness to be used. That's fantastic. Now, if you start knocking down the fears, like Glenn's talking about, the next thing is just honestly, not being afraid, but just saying to Jesus, what do you want me to do today? Um, Not necessarily, show me the church where I can get involved in youth ministry. Show me the youth ministry that I can go and get in every single day. You might not start, start there. Just ask the Lord, what do you want me to do today? I want to follow you. I, I, what I want to do is I want to serve you. I want to, I want to get involved in ministering to people that are hurting. But right now, where I want to start is just figuring out what does it mean? What does it look like for me to follow you? Just in little things all day long, listening for that still small voice and trying to figure out what is it you have for me? What do you have for me today? What do you have for me right in front of me? And start doing that. And you've already got the willingness to, to minister. We, we need to knock some of these fears out of the way. And then we need to start getting used to what it feels like to follow the Lord. Because even if somebody handed you a ministry right now today, if they handed it to you and it was exactly what you wanted and you were ready to go and all trained up and everything, if you don't have this piece in play where you know what it means like, to, to listen to the, for the voice of the Lord and to follow Him and what He's asking you to do today, that, that ministry is not going to go well. You have to figure out what it means to follow Jesus. And so I say we start doing that right now. Start figuring out what does it mean to follow Jesus in little things, listening for that still small voice right there in front of you, in relationships, in conversations, in all kinds of little things. Lord, what do you want me to do? Help me to follow you. Amen. That's absolutely right. I think these guys are all right on point. One last thing I'll throw on here is uh, I, I happen to, because I get the emails, I know that the person who wrote this in is in high school. So one thing for younger folks who you like the idea of ministry, you like looking at that, don't don't jump on that youth ministry mindset too early. Here's the thing. If you're in high school, maybe in college, the only ministry you've actually seen is youth ministry. Right. right. There's a lot of stuff out there. And I think the more important thing in your question you mentioned than ministering to youth is ministering to people who feel like they don't have anyone. Plenty of adults feel that way. Plenty yeah. of folks in the jailhouse right. feel that way. Plenty of people who struggle with addiction and children divorce and all this stuff feel that exact way. It's not just youth. So sometimes when we lock into something too early, we kind of if it, it can kind of sit funny in your stomach and you feel like maybe I'm not exactly up for this. And that may actually be true, but that's not God disqualifying for ministry. It's having him. That's him uh, wanting you to expand your horizons a little that's bit. So be careful of locking in on something too early like that. All right, we're going to move on to our next question here. Came into our Tumblr anonymously. It says, I'm a product of the 90s, early 2000s, keep your heart pure movement. You poor, poor person. When I was 15, I broke up with my boyfriend and vowed never to date until I was ready to get married. Now I'm 24 and still haven't had a real relationship. I regret making that decision and think it was very damaging. I feel now that I'm relationally, emotionally stunned and wouldn't even know where to be, how to be in a romantic relationship if I were to meet someone. The whole idea terrifies me, honestly. Any advice, Glenn? Absolutely. And, and we're back to finding the fear. Hello. We, we, we're doing that same thing here. Boy, if uh, I put more effort into picking out these questions, it wouldn't even go this well. <laughs> uh, but here's the main thing. Uh, I'm sorry this has happened to you. I really yep. am. Yeah. 
uh, this uh, it's easy in a sense, uh, I guess, for us to sympathize because some people close to us have gone through similar things, and it's actually messed up their marriage, and and you know they've ended up divorced, and uh, it breaks our heart. So uh, you've got our our sympathies uh, on it, and moreover, you're not alone. That's maybe the main thing to recognize is uh, this is a pretty widespread epidemic and a lot of people uh, are caught up in it and have been caught up in it. It, A lot of people have the same problem uh, that you have. And I think that might be, if I could just give you just some blue sky thinking on this thing, it it seems like to me where you have a lot of people have a similar problem. The best thing to do is get together on that. You know, in other words, if you have start a young singles Bible study and, you know, I think it'd be interesting to just get a, a group of, of people, young people, your age in a room together and say, did anybody else have this problem? And if so, what should we do about it now? Cause here's what happened is somebody a while back saw secular dating and said, wow, that's really bad stuff that's going in a bad direction. And well, even secular people would tell you, yeah, it's going in a bad direction. This is not, this is just more shallow and less meaningful and that's bad. So this dude says, I got a brilliant idea. I'm going to take the opposite of that bad dating and then put that out there and that'll be the most holy thing in the world. I'm going to do it to the max. Yeah. Here's the, here's the thing. You, you hear us say this on the podcast when you say this in our ministries all the time. The opposite of a bad idea is another bad idea. We don't arrive at God's wisdom by looking at the world does and say, we'll do the opposite of that. That's a great insight. Right. That's not how this stuff works. Uh, we're, we're not here to react to what the world does. We're here to act uh, according to the way that God has led us. So we still, in, in all this back and forth, we still haven't really asked God what he thinks. And uh-huh. We also haven't, we haven't solved the problem. You know, you just taking what somebody else does and doing the opposite isn't a solution to the problem. If dating is kind of not working on a secular tip and it's not working on a Christian tip either, then I think it'd be great for you and maybe some of the people your age to get together and and uh, do your own thinking on this and invent, invent your own ideas. But the first thing for you and for them is to get the fear out of the picture because fear is how we got here. Bless your hearts. That's the whole thing. It's dating. It's not going to shipwreck anything. It's really not. You, you date somebody and break up with them, it sucks really bad and it's very painful and right. it's part of life. And then you move on and then you date someone else. And you, none of that's going to ruin your life. None of that's going to ruin right. your future marriage. It, this is not how life works. You can tell that now as a 24-year-old, <clears throat> excuse me, in a way that was hard for you as a 15-year-old. If I can give you some encouragement on this, this is a fixable deal. Believe me when I tell you, I know it seems like, wow, I'm way behind on this. I'm overwhelmed and overloaded and all that. But look, a lot of us, myself included, my, my wife and I, neither of us were raised in the church. Neither of us had, uh, you know, really good, healthy relationships before we were married. Uh, we had a, a good dating life and we had a sense that we'd have a good marriage. Uh, we got married and we put a ton of work in that and found a way to make that work. Uh, uh, so there's, if you're, if you're ready to put in the, the work and roll up your sleeves and strategize and, 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 you know, really work on, uh, get, finding something outside the box, finding a way of transcending this problem, as opposed to just finding the fear on it. I think you've got 
a, a great shot at fixing it. Last little thought on that is don't waste your time and your energy on fear. That's going to drain you. That's going to you cloud everything. Take all that mental energy and put it into moving forward, solving problems. Uh, again, getting help where you where you where you can in terms of getting other people together on this thing. If it's online, if it, whatever it is, but find ways of supporting one another and thinking outside the box. That's a great point, Lee. Um, okay, so one of the things, and, and by the way, I, I was. I was around all the people that read that book. Somebody handed it to me, and I didn't read it. But I, I was around a lot of people. I had friends that that read this book that were, you know, that were really confused by it or messed up by it as well. And and I'm with Glenn. I'm I'm just really sorry that this has happened to you. And I think that one of the things that happens to believers in lots of areas, and not just this one, is that when we sense that we've taken a wrong road, what happens is. We don't know how to get started on the new road, and it's scary. Like Glenn said, there's, we're, we're, we're navigating by looking at fears again. And then what we do is, if we don't know what the first step to take is, then a really comfortable place to be is to say, well, I can't do anything because I've already screwed it up so much. So if you, if you see what I'm saying, we take a line that like, that the guilt of what, of how badly I've messed this up keeps me paralyzed. So I can't actually do anything because I just know that I've, I've screwed this up so much. Um, this, you, you say, I regret making the decision. I think it was very damaging. So now I'm emotionally stunted and I wouldn't even know what to do if I were to meet somebody and I'm terrified. And um, man, I'm just, I'm so sorry. But we, here's what we have to do because here's the awesome thing about knowing Jesus. If you know Jesus, one of the things that that means about you is that if even if you have taken a wrong road, even if you've done something wrong, even if you've sinned, even if you've done a, a doozy, you get to start over right now. You get to start over right now. You get to you get to have a clean brand new day. And it's like if I took a wrong road, I get to start right now on a brand new one. And the cool thing is there's no residual anything hanging around from the wrong road. And I think that's one thing that a lot of Christians uh they've heard or they tell themselves or they get bogged down by that since I took the wrong road, then that means I'm doomed. And I I've talked to people who felt like because of this thing that I did back in the 70s, that's why my life is so bad now. It's like, no, man, that has nothing to do with anything. This is a brand new day. We get to start over completely from zero. If you've taken a wrong road and you feel like, well, now I'm stunted and damaged and everything, well, guess what? You get to be renewed right now and you get to start right now. So what would you do if you had a person right now, like right now you don't have a guy that you've met or a girl that you've met. And, um, but if you had that person, what would you do? And I think a really healthy thing to do would be to cast out all this, uh, all this stuff, all this, all the stuff that's happened and all the guilt that you feel from it and all that kind of stuff. And just start with a proposition. If I had, if I, Matt is, do we know, is this a, is this a, a, a gal that wrote this in? Uh, yes. Okay. I can't, I didn't know if it was said this in the question or not, but oh yeah, I broke up with my boyfriend. Yeah, this is a gal. So if you had, if you had a, a guy right now that was ready to start a relationship with, with you, 
What would you do? What would, what would be your wish list? What would a, a fun, healthy friendship, dating relationship look like? I mean, you know, people that are dating, you're just like, it's like, you're friends with this romantic element. You get to, you know, you, you have, you're kissing, you're holding hands, you're hanging out, you're going on dates. Like it's, it's awesome. Like, think about that. Like, what would you want? What would you, what would you hope for? Like, start thinking about it and praying about it. And in the meantime, ask the Lord to bring this guy into your life. When you say the whole idea terrifies me, I don't even know how to be in a relationship if I had one. Well, let's start talking with the Lord about that right now. Pray about, um, you know, I think Glenn's idea of, of having a, a group of people your age is an awesome idea. You might want to consider, and, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, like an online dating situation. We've got a lot of friends who have, who have benefited from that re- a, a ton. Amen. And, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of different ways that you can meet some people. I think one way to, to meet people is to get involved in a ministry. Get involved in a ministry where you're serving somebody. It's a great place to meet people that love Jesus, that are serious about helping people that are down. That's a great way to meet somebody. But until that happens, until the meeting the person happens, why don't we get rid of the the past that's ha- that has you paralyzed and then just start daydreaming about, if I had that relationship right now, what would I want it to be? If I got to have my wish list of how things would go and how I would act and stuff like that. What do I need to work on and what would I want that thing to be like? How would I want to communicate and who does Jesus want me to be? Let's start thinking like that and see if we can't cast out some of this some of these feelings of being stunted and damaged and 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 get ready for what the Lord's going to bring into your life. And I'm I'm sure that he is. I I'm sure that he's got something for you. And so let's go ahead and start thinking that way right now. Absolutely, Jed. Well, my friend, we really appreciate your question, and if it helps at all, I can actually, on a personal level, I can really relate. Um, I, uh, I'm i a little bit older than you are, so <clears throat> I didn't read that particular book, but I, um, I had my first girlfriend when I was 16, and it was a really, really bad breakup. Um, it's, um, it, uh, it, it, there's a lot of details to it, but suffice it to say, it hurt bad enough that at the end of that, I decided I don't ever want to go through anything like that ever again. And I don't really care what it takes to, you know, to avoid that. I'm just, I'm never, ever dealing with that again. And, um, and I really didn't. I, um, I might go on a casual date here or there with, with, you know, some girls during the years, but before anything came serious, I'd kind of sabotage my way out of it. Cause I, I was scared out of my mind of, of going through what I'd been through before. And then um, I really started walking with the Lord and um, uh, uh, started first volunteering in ministry and then working in ministry. And about the time that I realized I probably needed to do something about my dating life, I realized that in my case, I was in my late 20s um, and um, I needed to find not just a gal, but a Christian gal who was really serious about her walk. And yeah, I had been on some dates here and there, but really, really, I had only had one serious relationship with one girl, and that had been a long time ago. So if it helps at all, I can relate. Now, here's the thing, and it's not about this particular question, but it's something I want you to think about, because a decision you have to make here is going to define the kind of human being you become. When problems come, you decide whether you are crushed by them or whether you overcome them. That's the decision you have to make. You have to make it here, and you're going to have to make it throughout your life. You're going to have problems. You're going to have things occur that are unfair, that are uncool, that are unjust, where you are on the receiving end of something wrong. And let's be clear here. You're on the receiving end of something wrong. Someone lied to you. They, right. they told you things about yourself and about life, about dating and human relationships that were not true. 
Um, and and in a very unjust, unfair, and uncool way, you're bearing the brunt of that. You're paying the penalty for that. Right. It's not cool. Here's the thing is that's going to happen again in your life. You're going to have more challenges and more problems in your life. And each time those problems come, you're going to have to decide, am I going to be crushed by this or am I going to overcome it? And that decision that you make each time is going to determine the kind of human being that you become. The good news is the fact that you would take the time to write us this question means you're already on your way to overcoming yeah, it. Yeah, You've, you yeah. may not know that you have, That's but right. you've already made the decision to overcome this. And we want to affirm you in that, um, yeah. that this can be overcome. Um, uh, in, in my case, um, I realized that I was, uh, you know, I needed to find not just a gal, but a very specific kind of gal. And the Lord brought an amazing, amazing woman into my life. Now, in that moment, there's a challenge because I don't know how to be a boyfriend. I don't right. I don't know how to be a godly boyfriend. I don't know how to be a boyfriend at all. Right. So I did what you will need to do, which is I got some mentors. And I said, tell me yeah. what to do. Right. And then I went and did exactly what they told me to do. I'm not making this up. My first date with my wife, we went to Starbucks because it was nice right. and non-threatening. Now, I don't drink coffee. Right. And, and people who know me, I don't ever go to Starbucks. That's right. just... That's not my scene, man. But, you know, I'm, tr I'm trying to, you know, uh, I'm trying to be boyfriend material. So I went to Glenn yes. and I said, tell me what to order. Yes. <laughs> I said, tell me the thing on the menu to order because I don't know. And I'm going to, he said, I got just the thing. And I'm not making this up. I go up to the counter. It's my first date. I say, yeah, I'd like the grande caramel, whatever the heck it is. Macchiato. The macchiato. And Hallie, my, you know, I didn't know it then, but my eventual bride to be goes, oh, that's my favorite drink. Yes, that's right. And in that moment, I say, thank you, Glenn. And I turn yes. to Hallie and I say, it's been mine for a long time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the takeaway from that story is listen to Glenn. The takeaway from that story is not lie through your teeth on your first date. <laughs> no, that's wrong. Also, on that first date. We're talking, I'm not an outdoors guy at all. I'm, right. you know, I'm a Cheetos and Xbox guy. And my, my again, my bride-to-be is, is sitting in and she's saying, nah, and she grew up in the country and, and right. her family, they're into hunting and camping and that kind of stuff. She says, now, do you like doing outdoor stuff? And literally, I'm trying to think, how much outdoor stuff have I done that I enjoyed where I could feel like this is not a lie as the words, yes, yeah, come out of my sure. mouth? But here's, here's the thing. As long as I'm with you, darling. <laughs> as long as I'm with you, I think it's a great time. I went ice fishing two yes, months into did. that dating relationship, yeah, people. Which is ice Glenn's fishing. favorite fact in the history of facts. It's also my favorite picture where, <laughs> where he's wearing head to toe my clothing. Yes. And it is just the face of misery. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. Here's the thing, though, is if you say this is a problem and I'm going to overcome it, then you start getting strategy. Amen. You start asking people for advice. Right. You start getting input. You start following it. And you know what happens is you turn around six months, a year later, and you realize, I have overcome this. Right. This is not a thing. Problems can be overcome. You have a promise. The Bible says that God will never bring a problem into your life that's so big that he's not going to show you a way out of it. There are no insurmountable problems in mm -hmm. your life. It says there's no temptation taken you except what is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. There's a temptation here for you to be afraid and to give in and to be the victim and to be crushed by this. But God is going to give you a way out. God's going to give yeah. you a way to overcome that temptation, to overcome this problem, and to move forward in your life. And here's the thing. We believe in you. Maybe uh, if you don't have mentors in your life, write us. We'd be happy to talk things out, figure things out, help you get where you're going. You can overcome this. You're already on your way. Don't give up. We believe in you. Amen. Absolutely. We're going to move on to our next question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox. It says, 
Why is having sex outside of marriage between two committed, consensual, loving adults wrong? Does the Bible ever mention sex in this way? Lee, can you kick us off? Yeah, and this is a tricky question because uh, one thing that one thing that happens <coughs> is people will talk about how there's no specific verse that actually says, "Thou shalt not have sex before thy get thou gettest married." Hey, hey, and, Lee. You know what's funny is there's also no specific verse that says, "Thou shalt not look at internet pornography." It's <laughs> a happy little miracle. Yeah, it's a and very, lo, very the Lord said, "Thy shall keep it in thine pants." <laughs> <laughs> Matt King. That's Matt King. If you want to send in your hate mail, that's Matt King. Folks, the beard is back. That's the only thing I have to say about that. Go back and listen to the beginning of this episode, then realize the irony of these people chastising me for being inappropriate. (laughs) Feel bad! Go ahead, Lee. Glass house, glass house. Okay, so uh, here's the thing. I think what what a lot of people want is they want the clear and uh, you know undeniable like this is where it says every single word you cannot this is what you can't do this is what you can do this is the exact line and everything and you're not going to find that specific verse that lines it out for you perfectly but what you will find if you are a, a rational person as you're reading through the scriptures over and over again is that sex and marriage go hand in hand. This is this is uh, something that was meant that God made. He made it a beautiful thing. He made it in with the intention of two people who have made a permanent commitment before God to spend the rest of their lives together. Um, it says in Genesis chapter 2 that this for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. In the in the book of Luke, you know, when it talks about Mary and Joseph, when Mary was pregnant with, with, uh, with Jesus, and it says that uh, Joseph had no, uh, had no sexual uh, intercourse with her and, until after the baby was born. But it says when, it, when people found out that she was pregnant, he had my, in mind to divorce her quietly to avoid her being disgraced. If people found out that she was having sex before they got married, it would have been a disgrace. Everybody understands that this is part of this thing. This is that that sex is is intended for for the marriage. It says in uh, I mean, if you're just asking like, how does the Bible talk about it? You know, the Apostle Paul talks in the book of First Corinthians, chapter six and seven. He talks about. Um, God's intention that you, you know, he talks about sexual immorality and how this is, you know, that, that, the, you know, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You've been bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. And he says, in fact, he said, this is, uh, he goes on in chapter seven to talk about married people and sex. He says, look, married people need to have sex with each other. He says, your body doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to your spouse. A, a man's body belongs to his wife. A woman's body belongs to her husband. And he says, uh, he, he says, you know, it's better to get married than to burn with desire. I mean, it's obvious that that God not only made sex a beautiful thing, but he made it intended for this relationship. When you try to look at why, I think there's a ton of different reasons why. But I can tell you uh, one thing, and and it's not it's it's not like a a souls tie a soul ties kind of thing or anything like that. But I I, I will say that there's something about the uh, the intimacy of of a of a marriage that where like a good sex life requires intimacy, and that's really one of the lies of pornography. It's one of the lies of the hookup culture. Is that is that there's this idea of good sex without any intimacy. And there is no such thing. You can't have a good, 
healthy sex life that's fulfilling or satisfying without intimacy. And one of the things about intimacy is intimacy requires vulnerability. It, inv- it, it requires a, a place where a person feels safe. A person feels like they don't have to protect themselves emotionally, uh, psychologically from this person that they're with. And what you like, if, if what you want to communicate to your mate is that you are safe with me. Um, I am committed to you and you are safe with me. And that, that, that kind of relationship builds the intimacy that will allow you to have a great sex life uh, within your marriage. And, you know, people get to know each other over years and years and years, and it just gets better and better and better. The more they figure it out, more they figure out each other, the more they figure out what they like and what they don't like. And so I think a lot of this has to do with intimacy. A lot of it, and you know, and the apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter five, that the whole picture of marriage and intimacy and everything is, is really just like a metaphor for this relationship that Jesus wants with us. There's something unbelievably cool about the spiritual life that he's trying to tell us through all of this, which is amazing to think about that, that, that he would, that he would put those relationships, you would, you know, that these would be a picture of that, you know, and it's like, there's something beautiful and amazing and satisfying and intimate and vulnerable and beautiful that he wants with us. And that, that, uh, that this is, that this is a picture of. And so, I mean, I, I think these other brothers can break down some other reasons, but I think one thing, one reason that the Bible definitely talks about this being part of a marriage relationship is that good sex requires needs intimacy. Intimacy requires safety and commitment and vulnerability. And so I think that's at least one part of the picture. Amen. Great point, Jed. Yeah, and I I agree with everything Lee said. This is a bit of an old-timey word. The word that you're looking for is fornication. That's that's, uh, the word that explicitly means sex between people who are not married. Um, And the Bible does talk about that in older translations. Um, So if you look at the King James and some more historical translations, that word's used a lot, actually. Um, Now, uh, if you want to get into a semantic argument, you can talk about, well, is that the best translation from the Greek and yada, yada, yada. But here's the thing for you is if you want to have sex with somebody that you're not married to, okay. I mean, um, the decision that you need to make about your sex life is whether or not God's calling shots on it. Exactly. That's the thing you need to decide. And if God's not calling shots on it, if you're going to do what you're going to do, then go do that. Why does it matter what the Bible says? Mm -hmm. I I mean, here's the thing is most people, here's what they want. They want to do what they want to do with their life, but feel like God's blessing off on it. The thing you need to know about that is for most people, their sex life is the least of their troubles when it comes to not having anything to do with what God's asking them to do with their life. If you read Matthew 25, Jesus has some very, very hard words about people who fail to feed the poor, about people who fail to clothe the naked and visit the sick and the imprisoned. In America right now, we currently have people who go to church and call themselves Christians celebrating persecuting the poor. Right. Uh, Let me say that again. In spite of Matthew 25, we have people, at least in the United States, that are celebrating the persecution of the poor in the name of Jesus. That is a blasphemous and obscene thing. That doesn't make the sex part less wrong, but what it does mean is, if you're not walking with Jesus, you got a lot of problems. Sex is not the only one. I think the thing that's before you is making up your mind, are you going to let God call shots in your life or not? If you are then ask him what to do with your sex life. Um, What you're almost certain to find is that God is not going to lead you to be having intercourse with a person that you're not married to. 
Right. Um, what you're almost certain to find is that God is going to ask you to have some some boundaries in dating relationships and to work together with the person you're dating to maintain those boundaries and uh, uh, and respect each other in that. Um, and what I guarantee you'll find is if you let God call shots in your life, he'll take you to a place that you won't regret. Um, you know, right. he'll take you to a place where you're really, really glad that you followed him um, and, and you feel really, really good um, with where you're at. But this is the thing. That's a choice. That's something that you choose and that no one has a right to force on. If you're in a place in your life where you want to do your own thing, then do your own thing. It's not going to work and you're not going to be happy with it. But if that's where you're at, that's fine. You don't need to try and find a loophole where God is in favor of it. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing right. that that we can let go of. It's if you if you reach a point where you need to do your own thing, we'll still be here when you're done with it. Um mm-hmm. and and God will still be there when you're done. It's not a good idea. I don't advise it. You will regret it. Um it it will cause you pain and suffering and heartache. But when you're ready, whether that's today or a year from now or 5 years from now, God has an amazing plan for you. I promise you that he does. But the way that we get into that is by letting go of the loopholes and letting go of the religious element where we're trying to figure out what we can get away with and instead going to God and saying, what do you have for me? What's the next thing for me? If you'll do that, I promise you, you will not regret it. Absolutely. Glenn? Amen. And I, uh, I, everything I'm going to say here is really going to dovetail with what both of these guys have said. I think it's uh, some really fantastic advice that you're getting here. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I understand the concept of looking for the loopholes as Jed was talking about there. It's, uh, I, I, I'm familiar with the process. Um, <laughs> And, uh, uh, it, it's never done much for me. I never, I, ne- I don't seem to find the loopholes I'm looking for. And as Jed is suggesting here, uh, when you, when you, when you do that, you're, you're really asking the, the wrong question Lord, uh, you know, bless a, 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 a certain significant amount of my bad ideas. Don't give, don't give me any smart ideas instead. Just sign off on my bad ones or let it, let them be okay or whatever. And it's one of those things we, sometimes we have to be careful with, uh, what if God said, okay, if you see what I mean. In other words, if you say, here's a really, really bad idea and I really, 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 really want to do it, Lord. So will you let me? You don't want the Lord to say yes to that. <laughs> you know, you you want him to tell you no. So if you if you want him or need him to tell you no on a certain number of things, and I definitely do, then I think uh, uh, be comfortable with hearing no uh, uh, and, and get to a place of 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 surrendering to that. Um, you you uh, you know, yeah, the Bible does say sex outside of marriage is wrong. It, they're they're hitting a loophole there. Believe me, I've looked. <laughs> It's not there. Um, what what God is saying, though, I think if we if we pay careful attention and look at it on a macro level, is not so much that He's saying sex is wrong in any way. Really, it's about the timing, and and I think uh, uh, really Lee laid that out in the most perfect way. It's the idea that you that you have the exact right conditions for it. You know, it's like meat and gravy, you know, you put the two together, you got something good there. If I say, here's a bowl of gravy and here's a spoon, go for it. (laughs) You know, uh, that's, that ain't the, you know, uh, you you say, well, the gravy makes it better. So if I just have the gravy, that would probably be the awesome, the most best thing in the world. 
at one point in my life, I decided I was going to live free. I went to the Kentucky Fried Chicken and I drank a bowl of gravy. <laughs> this does not surprise me about you, Dad. That it, was not a good decision. Yeah, it really just wasn't the ultimate. <laughs> you didn't take it to the limit, did I, it? I thought I was taking it to the limit. That did not work. Yeah. Do not drink gravy. <laughs> yes, yeah. A this... warning no one needed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a PSA from your friends that say that. I know there's somebody out there thinking maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna fight right. for freedom. I'm gonna drink gravy. Yeah. I've been there, my friend. Don't drink I've been it. where you Don't are. Drink the KFC gravy. Don't drink it. <laughs> I can literally guarantee you won't get that advice anywhere else on the planet. Yeah. 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 Um you're welcome, internet. Uh <laughs> But, it, it, you know, I think, yeah, that's the thing about sexual stuff, exactly as Lee put it, is that when the, when the conditions are right, and let me just say this as we wrap this up, uh, I, I can testify to everything these gentlemen are talking about. I, I wasn't a, a virgin when I got married, and I went out there saying I want to grab all of the amazingness of whatever. And what I found is exactly what I think you would expect, uh, which is, that it felt good, yes, but it was kind of that, what, this isn't that big a deal, you know. Why are we making such a big deal about this? This isn't, you know, that big a thing. And it, it wasn't until I got married and I had the kind of uh, intimate, vulnerable sex life that, the, and, and, and relationship that Lee's describing that I realized how far much better that this thing could be. So um, I think it's about, I think we want to vilify that and say, oh, you'll, you're, you'll wreck your marriage. Oh, you'll never be right again if you make this mistake or whatever. I don't think it's anything uh, along those lines. I think it's the kind of thing where you, if you had it, you'd be bored with it. You'd, mm -hmm. you'd feel the lack of depth with it. This is why people obsess over sex. This is why people yeah. try and grab all of it they can because they're trying to get it to be something amazing. Yes, that's exactly and, right. And that the, the thing is, if you listen to God, he'll get you to the place where it is amazing. And yes, that involves marriage, okay? So he's not against you having a healthy, good, exciting sex life. Uh, he's trying to do it the best way possible. We have to listen to him, you know, give give us guidance on that. Uh, and, and understand, I'm giving you this advice based on I got it wrong, and I'm giving you this advice based on uh, uh, I'm constantly questioning whether or not God knows what he's talking about when he's giving me advice. Yeah. It, it, you know, it, uh, it always sounds better. Let's just do it my way. I don't know why that is. Cause it's really not worked out a lot of times in a row. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, let's get to a place, uh, particularly with something that's as big and important as this and has the consequences that this stuff can carry with it. Do we, we kick back and say, you know what, God on this one, I'm going to follow your advice on this one. I'm going to do it your way. And I promise you, you won't regret that. Absolutely. Fantastic point. All right. If you have a question for us, you can find us at say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge, Chicago.tumblr.com. We want to remind you one last time. This is the last week running to get your free. My heart is whole notebook. When you sign up for Bridgebox. box, it's missionusa.com slash bridge box, $8 a month. A lot of great stuff. You're supporting ministry. And for this one last week, you'll get that sign up gift. If you're already a Bridgebox subscriber, you can give a one-month gift subscription for $8 and get that yourself. All right, we appreciate you listening. Remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Matt King Beard watched The Beard is Back. Mm -hmm.